there in Ephesians uh, chapter number 4, and we've been going through a study on Sunday nights on words that will change your life, and we've been talking about specific words, and really these are words that should be an adjective of your life. They should be words that describe you, and tonight I want to talk about this word, uh, consistent, or being consistent, or consistency. The dictionary defines the word consistent as constantly adhering to the same principles or course of action, and I want to talk about the benefit or the idea of you and I being consistent in our lives. And I really want to just give you three areas in your life that you ought to be consistent in. For those of you who'd like to take notes, I would encourage you to take notes if you're able to. Uh, point number one tonight, and we won't, we won't be very long, I promise. We'll just keep you long enough to not watch the Super Bowl, and then we'll finish, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if the Super Bowl is still going on, but we won't, we won't be long. Point number one is this. Uh, we ought to be consistent in our beliefs. We ought to be consistent in our beliefs. If you look down at Ephesians 4 and verse number 14, notice what the Bible says. It says that we henceforth be no more children. The Bible's talking about the fact that God wants us to grow and mature. The Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, it's not enough for us to just get saved. God then wants us to grow in our faith, to mature. And notice what he says. He says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. See, the Bible teaches here that when a Christian does not mature, when a Christian does not grow, they have the tendency to be carried about with every wind of doctrine. They have the tendency to one day believe one thing and then another day believe another thing. In an area that I want to encourage you to be consistent in, is to be consistent in what you believe, is to decide, you know, here's what the Bible says, here's what I believe God would have me to do, or here's what I believe God would have me to believe, and then to stick with it and to not be uh, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, you're there in Ephesians 4, go with me to the book of Colossians. You're there in Ephesians, go to Philippians, and then Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2, and look at verse number 7. Colossians 2, 7, I want you to notice these words. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says this, rooted. And that's, that's a key word. At least for me as a pastor, one of my goals is to help you get rooted, get, get a foundation of what you believe. He says, rooted and built up in him. Now notice the, the, the sequence, all right? You don't get built up until you first get rooted. See, if you if you have a if you're building a, a building before you can ever start the structure before you can ever uh, start you know putting walls up and putting a roof up you've got to get a foundation you know before you you see a tree that grows up but what you don't see is underneath that tree the roots that go down and that the larger and stronger and taller that that tree is the deeper that those roots have to go because in order to build something with some strength there needs to be a good foundation and here the Bible says rooted and built up in him. See, you cannot be built until you get rooted. Notice what he says. Rooted and built up in him and established. That's the, our word established in the faith as ye have been taught. Notice 
abounding therein with thanksgiving. You can't abound until you're established. You can't be built until you are rooted. Go to Hebrews chapter number 13. You're there in Colossians. Just go past 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, past 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. See, God wants you to grow, but the first step to growth is to get rooted, is to get established, is to figure out where you stand and to get firm on that foundation. An area that you and I have to be consistent in, that we have to be constantly adhering to, is the area of what we believe. Are you there in Hebrews 13? Look at verse number 9. Hebrews chapter 13, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse 9, the Bible says this, be not carried about. Notice those words. It's not that that person is going there. It's not that they're learning the Bible and and heading in that direction, but someone is taking them there. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be, notice this word, established, established, rooted with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Here's the reason I want to make this point tonight. I recently got an email. I I won't go into details about it, but I got an email from someone that I know pretty well, and basically they were explaining to me, you know, why they're leaving the independent fundamental Baptist movement. And, you know, it's interesting to me because I've I've received a few messages like these, phone calls or text messages from people, you know, people listen to the preaching from Verity Baptist Church all all over the country, and I get emails every week about people telling me they listen to sermons and it helps them. But every once in a while, I get a message from someone, and 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 it usually goes this way, you know, I'm leaving the Baptist movement, and and, in this particular email that I got, they were going to start going to a Reformed church, a Calvinist church, you know. Uh, I've gotten other emails or messages where people will say... I'm leaving the Baptist movement. I'm going to the house church movement that believes in not having a pastor, that believes in not even having a a soul winning or evangelism plan. It's just kind of let's get together just with me and my buddies and let's sit down on a couch and we'll call that church. And here's here's what I, I grow weary of these Christians that today they say I'm King James only. Today they say I'm eternal security. Today they say I believe in soul winning. Today they say, you know, I believe the Bible. I believe the word of God. But then they listen to somebody on YouTube or they listen to somebody on the radio or they listen to somebody, you know, uh, uh, on the television or whatever it may be, and, and they get carried about with diverse doctrines, with strange doctrines. And here's all I'm trying to say. In your life and in my life, we have to figure out, you know, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible teach door-to-door soul winning? Does the Bible teach you cannot lose your salvation? Does the Bible teach that someone must repent of their sins to be saved? Or does it teach that it's simply faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Does the Bible teach, you know, that we ought to have have music that's Christ honoring to God. Figure out what you believe, and once you've settled it, settle it. Stay there. Stick with it. Don't, you know, don't decide, today I'm a Baptist, and then next week you're a Calvinist? Today I'm a Baptist, but next week I'm some sort of a tongue-speaking Pentecostal? Look, decide what does the Bible say, and you ought to study it out. You ought not take my word for it. If there's one thing I try to teach and help is tell people, hey, you search the scriptures for yourself. You study the Bible for yourself. You look at the word yourself. But once you've decided what is right, don't move from that. Just stay consistent. Stay where you, you know, I, I grow weary of the conversations of, well, I started listening to so-and-so on the radio. And, and here's the thing. Let, let me go ahead and give you some advice. You know, I'm King James only. I believe the King James Bible is God's perfect, preserved word of God in the English language. And here's the thing. If you're King James only, why are you allowing non-King James preachers to carry you about? And here's the honest truth. 
I don't really care if you listen to some NIV preaching, some New King James preaching, you know, Charles Stanley or whoever you want to listen to. That's none of my business. I really could care less. But here's the question. Why don't you decide what you believe and stay there and stand there? See, my goal is to be the same. It, my, my goal is to be as fundamental as I am today when I'm 60 years old, if not more fundamental. Amen. I mean, I, I don't want to be less fundamental. I don't want to be less biblical. I don't want to be more liberal. I want to decide what I believe. And here's what I want to see, because people come to our church and they'll say, well, I'm not really sure what the Bible says about the pre-trib rapture. I'm not really sure what the Bible says about this. And I'm not really sure what the Bible says about that. And here's the thing. You need to decide that for yourself. You need to read the Bible and learn the Bible and study the Bible and figure out what the Bible says. But once you decide what it says, hey, stay there. Stick there. Be established there. Put some roots there. And, here, and, here's, and this kind of goes, you know, uh, several weeks ago I preached on the, the subject of being teachable. And we all ought to be teachable enough to hear what people have to say and to evaluate it. And, and there's a possibility that we're all wrong. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to stick to these doctrines, you know, whether they're right or wrong. But here's the thing. Once you've seen what the Bible says, once you've seen enough scriptures to be convinced about what the Word of God says, hey, we ought to be consistent in our beliefs. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. I think one of the reasons we're losing people is not that the Word of God, it's just that no, some people have just decided, here's what I am for today. And here's the question I have for you. Are you going to believe what you believe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now? I mean, you can look around in our church. In the last five years since our church started, we've seen so many people come and go. And by the way, let me just give you some help when it comes to ministry. Don't get discouraged. People come and go. Sometimes people come and go and come and go and come and go again, you know, and and that's okay. But you need to decide, you know, and you ought to just decide. If I'm King James only and I'm convinced that I'm King James only, then stick there. And don't open that doctrine up for debate. Don't open that idea up for debate. Just decide, here's where I am, here's where I stand, here's what I believe, and be consistent in your belief. So number one... We need to be consistent in the things that we believe. Go to James. Are you, are, where, are you in Hebrews? The very next book is uh, James. James chapter number one. James chapter one. And there, there's a balance here. We need to be teachable enough to allow correction when we're wrong. But when you get corrected, hey, don't get corrected because someone was eloquent. Don't get corrected because someone was funny. Don't get corrected because their sermon excited you. Get corrected because you looked at what the Bible actually says and you said, wow. I was wrong about that. Allow the word of God to correct you. But, but here's the thing. Once you say, here's what the Bible says, stick with it. Stay there and don't move. Be consistent. James 1, look at verse number 8. If you're there in Hebrews, just the next book over, James chapter 1, look at verse number 8. James 1, 8 says this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, here's why some, some people can't get rooted can't get established, can't get stabilized, is because they're double-minded. Everything's just kind of like, well, I don't know. And sometimes I want to walk up to people and like Elijah said to the children of Israel, oh, how, how long stand you between two opinions? You know, how, how long is it going to take to decide what you believe? A double-minded man is unstable, the Bible says, in all his ways. And God wants you to get rooted. God wants you to get established. God wants you to get stabilized. And the way you do that is by deciding, is by studying, is by saying, what does the Bible say? Are churches supposed to be independent or are we supposed to be part of a denomination where some pope tells us what to do? I mean, decide what you believe. 
are, are, you know, decide what do I believe in these areas. And by the way, that's one of the reasons we have this Bible doctrines class. I'd much rather have those eight people here and get to yell at them here than have Brother Ryan talking to them. You know, but why do we have a Bible doctrines class? Because we're trying to show people, hey, here's what the Bible says about these vital doctrines about the word of God. And once you believe it, once you've seen it, once you've been convinced, stay there. Because a double-binded man is unstable in all his ways. Number one, we have to be consistent in our beliefs. Number two, we have to be consistent in our actions. We have to be consistent in our actions. Go to the book of Luke. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, look at, look at Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4. My prayer is that 20 years from now, some of you will still be with us. And you'll still be fundamental. And you'll still be soul winning. And you'll still be reading nine chapters a day. And you'll still be believing the things you believe. I'd hate, I'd hate for someone to leave Verity Baptist Church and go down the street to some liberal mess, to some NIV preaching, rock and roll singing church, and because they never got established in what the Bible says. So number one, be consistent in our beliefs. Number two, we have to be consistent in our actions. I want you to notice what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter number four and verse number 16, the Bible says this, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what the Bible says, as his custom was. Now, the word custom means, this is talking about Jesus, the word custom means a habitual practice, something that you do on a regular basis. Notice what it says. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Jesus, the Bible tells us, had a custom. He had, a, he had something he did, a habitual practice, something he did on a regular basis. In this case, he would go on the Sabbath day to the temple, and he would read there, and we know that he preached there and things like that. Go to the book of Acts. You're there in Luke. Uh, go past the book of John into the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter number 17. Look at verse number 2. Acts chapter number 17 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says about the Apostle Paul. Acts 17 and verse 2. And Paul, notice these words, as his manner was. That word manner is the same word uh, as the word custom there. Uh, the word manner means a prevailing habit or a custom. It says, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. So here the Bible tells us, Paul had a custom. He had a regular habit. He did something he did on a regular basis, where he went and he, and he preached, you know, on the Sabbath day. Go to the book of Daniel in the, in the Old Testament. If you got, remember those big books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel chapter uh, number... Uh, six, Daniel chapter number 6, and look at verse number 10. You got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel chapter number 6. Remember, remember the story of Daniel where they, they made a law against prayer? And in Daniel chapter number 6 and verse 10, the Bible says this, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew that the law went through. They voted on it, and it was now illegal to pray to the God, to Jehovah God. All prayers had to be de uh, directed towards uh, the king. The Bible says, now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Daniel is not trying to pick a fight here. It's not like Daniel, you know, found out that they made prayer illegal and he thought, well, I'm going to start praying. 
you know, because I want to pick a fight, because I want to be on CNN, because I want to make sure people, you know, who I am. Because notice what the Bible says, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into the house, and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Here's the key words. As he did aforetime. This is something Daniel did all the time. Every day he would get on his knees and open the windows and face Jerusalem three times a day, every day. He, he, he consistently prayed to God and he consistently prayed. He was so consistent at it that when they wanted to throw him in the lion's den, they said, hey, let's, let's make something illegal that he does three, days, three times a day. Let's make prayer illegal because we know he does it every day. It's something that he did a four time. And in the Bible, you find this concept that men and women that did great things for God, like Jesus, like Paul, like Daniel, they all established and created routines. You all know why Paul will go down in history as reaching the most Gentiles? You know, I mean, if you're a Gentile tonight, which I think we probably all are in this room, you owe your salvation to the Apostle Paul because he took the gospel to the Gentiles. And he probably has had more, he probably got more people saved than, than anybody in the sense that his converts got converts saved and converts saved. And you and I, you know, I, I believe Paul's going to get rewards in heaven for, having, for what we've done because we were reached through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But do you all know why Paul made such a great impact on his community and, and, and on the world? Here's why. Because the Bible tells us he had a custom, he had a routine of every week, every Sabbath, they go and preach in the gospel. See, if Paul showed up for soul winning, as often as some of us show up for soul winning, you and I would be on our way to hell right now. If, if Paul showed up for soul winning, you know, once every six weeks, if Paul quit out on soul winning if it was raining, if Paul didn't have a custom or a manner or a routine, he probably wouldn't accomplish what he did. The reason that we're still talking about Jesus 2,000 years later is because he had a habit. He had a work ethic. He just did the same thing. Everywhere he went, he did the same thing. And he would say, I got to leave this town, and I got to go preach the gospel in another town. And Daniel made such an impact. Why? Because he had a life of routine. He had a life of custom. He had a life of being consistent in his actions. Go to the book of Isaiah. You're there in Daniel. Go backwards. Uh, past Ezekiel, Lamentations, Jeremiah, into the book of Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 28 and verse 10. Here's what you got to understand. This is a Christian life. The Christian life is a life of consistency. If you're going to be successful in the Christian life, you're going to have to learn how to be consistent. Isaiah 28 and verse 10, the Bible says this. Isaiah, you're there in Daniel, go backwards, past Ezekiel, Lamentations, Jeremiah, and into the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 28, 10 says this. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. That's the Christian life. You get a little bit this week. You got a little bit on Sunday morning. You get a little bit on Sunday night. You got a little bit on Wednesday night. You get a little bit next week. The Christian life is something that we build upon every day. Every day as you read the Bible, as you spend time with God in prayer. Look down at verse number 13, same chapter. Isaiah 28, look at verse 13. But the word of the Lord was unto them 
precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. See, here's what you got to understand. The way that you have a successful Christian life, the way that you grow is by just taking one step at a time, one line upon another, one concept upon another. People will often come up to me and say, wow, I learned so much, you know, today. I never knew that about music. I never knew that about entertainment. I didn't know the Bible taught about those things. And here's what I always think to myself. Man, you'd learn a lot more if you showed up more faithfully. I mean, people say, like, oh, I learned so much on on Sunday. But imagine if you showed up Sunday night. Imagine if you showed up Wednesday night. Imagine if you didn't show up once every other week. Here's the thing. People of routine, remember the story? Of the, what is it, the, the rabbit and the hare, or the, not the hare, the tortoise and the hare. And, you know, every time you read that book, the tortoise always wins. Because, look, in life, people who just do a little bit, people who just do a little bit, people that are just consistent, they are the ones that win. And, by the way, in life, that is the key to success. You will accomplish more if you are just consistently, little upon little. It doesn't matter what area it is. It doesn't matter if it's spiritual. It doesn't matter if it's financial. Look, you will save more money if you just consistently save a small amount every week or every month or every paycheck than if you just try, well, I'm getting my, you know, I'm getting my tax return. I'm going to put it all away. You know, if that's your plan for retirement, you're going to be a very uh, hungry retired person. <laughs> you will do better if you just consistently every week say, you say, well, it's only a small amount. But here's the great thing. A small amount this week, a small amount next week, over years and years and years and years and years will be end, up, end up being a great thing. You know the people that get the most people saved are the ones that just every week are consistently going on. You know people who read their most Bible are not the guy that sits down and says, I'm going to read nine chapters a day in the month of January. Hey, look, nine chapters a day in the month of January, but nine chapters a day every day can be hard for some people to maintain. But if you just said, I'm just going to read, you know, the rest of the year, I'm just going to read three chapters a day, just consistently be at it. If you do that for years and years and years, you could read your Bible cover to cover every year. Imagine if you read your Bible cover to cover every year for the next 10 years by reading three chapters a day. As opposed to what most people want to do is they don't read the Bible at all for six months. Then they try to sit down and read a whole lot of it, but you're never going to get through it that way. Because people succeed when they're the most consistent. And it doesn't matter what area it is. If it's exercising, if it's weight loss, you'll be more successful when you're consistent. I'm just going to go on a 40-day fast so I can lose some weight. You're not going to make it. You will be more consistent if you just sit every day, make right decisions. Every day, I'm going to eat right. Every day, I'm going to cut out certain things. If you just consistently stick with it, you'll see more success. It's just, it's just a, 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 a principle of life. People accomplish more when they do little, a little, a little, a little, over time, over time, here a little, there a little. You grow, you grow, and then you do something great. You see something big. Can you go back to, to Daniel? Daniel chapter number one. You're there in Isaiah, so you're going to go past back uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Let me give you some advice for being consistent. The first thing is to create a, re- a routine, but how do you create a routine? You need to get on autopilot. Here's the best way to create a routine. Get on autopilot. If you're trying to save money, make that thing an automatic withdrawal so you don't have to worry about it. 
And, and, here, and here's what Daniel did. Daniel was a great man. Now, I want you to notice one of the keys to Daniel's success. Daniel chapter 1, look at verse number 8. Remember, Daniel got basically kidnapped from his home, taken into Babylon, and he was tempted with all sorts of things. And notice what Daniel, what the Bible says about Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but Daniel, notice, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the princes of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel, the Bible says, he purposed in his heart. Here's what that means. He set himself on autopilot. He told himself, no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances, I will not defile myself with the king's meat. And here's the thing, when the temptation came, Daniel didn't have to sit there and think about, is this something I want to do? He'd already made the decision. He'd already decided what his course of action was going to be. He was just going on autopilot. You want this alcohol, Daniel? No, don't even have to think about it. Already made that decision. So you want to know how to be successful in life? Just make decisions and stick with it. If you try to sit there and decide, you know, am I going to go to church today? Am I going to go to church tonight? It's Sunday night. I'm kind of tired. Am I going to go to church? You're probably not going to make it half the time. But if you just put that thing on autopilot and say, no matter what's going on, I will be in church on Sunday nights. No matter what's going on, I will be in church on Sunday morning. No matter what's going on, I will be in church on Wednesday night. If you, if you sit there and every Saturday morning try to make the decision, am I going to go soul winning? You're probably not going to make it. I wouldn't make it. Because sometimes that bed is really comfortable and really warm, and it's really cold outside. And sometimes your flesh doesn't want to do things, but if you just put yourself on autopilot, if you just decide, I'm going to read the Bible every day. And here's what you got to decide. you got to decide on a time, you got to decide on a place, and you got to make a routine out of it. If you just decide every day at this time in this place, I will read my Bible. Every day at this time in this place, I will spend time in prayer. Every day at this time or every week at this time in this place, I will go soul winning. Every day at this time in this place, whatever it is you want to do, if you put yourself on autopilot, then you don't have to make that decision later. See, I don't get up on Saturday morning and decide, am I going to go to soul winning today? I've already made that decision. We're going soul winning today i got to roll myself out of bed and get myself there. And Daniel purposed in his heart, and he decided, you know, in the areas that you got to put yourself in autopilot, you know, put yourself in autopilot on Bible reading. Just decide, I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to choose this place, this time. Here's how it will be done. I will pray every day. I will be faithful to the church services. I will be faithful to soul. Hey, put your tithing on autopilot. Look, if you sit there every time you get paid and decide, am I going to tithe this week? You'll probably not get paid. Because emergencies will come up, like the DMV registration, as if you didn't know that was going to happen, you know, or Christmas, as if it's not on the calendar. It happens every December, okay? You need to prepare for it. You need to just get ready for it. But here's the thing. If you just decide, look, I don't even give tithing a second thought. As soon as I get paid, we write out the check, put it in the offering plate. I don't sit there and daydream about what I could do with that money. I don't sit there and think, if I didn't have to tithe that money, man, I could do this or I could do that. I just put that thing on autopilot, I forget about it, and it's done. And I'll reap the rewards for it in heaven. And you need to just get, you need to be like Daniel and just purpose in your heart and just decide and say, I'm, I'm not going to reopen this. 
I'm not going to reconsider this. I've already thought about it. I've made my decision. Here's where I stand. We're not debating it again. We're not putting it up for debate again. We're not voting on it again. We've decided we're on autopilot from here on. I will not defile myself with the king's meat. And you will be successful. And I believe Daniel did that with prayer. He said, at least three times, I will, at this window, facing this direction, pray. And he, and he never thought about it again. He just did it. He just established a routine. So number one, we ought to be consistent in our beliefs. What do you believe? I mean, what do you believe? I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just asking. What, what, what are those faith? What are those things? These are the, the crucial doctrines of the faith that I believe. If you're convinced of it, if you can prove it from the Bible, then stay there. You ought to be consistent in your actions. You ought to create a routine. You ought to get yourself on autopilot. You ought to just decide, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do it. And I'm not reopening up that, that whole conversation. We've had the conversation. We've made the decision. Here's what we're going to do. Number three, we ought to be consistent in our emotions. We ought to be consistent in our emotions. Here's where I'm going to get myself into trouble, but let's do it quickly. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 19. We've been studying Saul on, on, on Wednesday night, and he's been serving as a lot of illustrations Who's ever known someone who's an emotional just basket case? Who's ever known somebody like that? Who is an emotional basket case? No. Who's married to... No, I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. Don't answer that question. Right? We're way too close to Valentine's Day for you to uh, answer that. 1 Samuel 19, look at verse number 4. 1 Samuel 19, look at verse 4. I want you to notice something interesting about, about Saul. Remember our good friend Saul? I'm going to have a lot of questions for Saul when I get to heaven. 1 Samuel 19... Look at verse number 4. I want you to notice something interesting about Saul. 1 Samuel 19, verse 4, the Bible says this. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hands and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cost? Now if you remember, David killed Goliath, and here Jonathan is telling us, when David killed Goliath, Saul was cheering David on. He was for David. But then remember those women? They started singing that song. David has slain his ten thousands and Saul his thousands, right? And Saul became envious. And then he became against David. His emotions got the best of him. Now he wants to kill David. Jonathan comes and says, hey, hey, Dad, listen. David's a good guy. He's only ever done you right. Why do you want to kill him? Look at verse 6, 1 Samuel 19, verse 6. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swore, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And here's what I want you to show you about Saul. The guy's just up and down. He's for David. He's against David. Jonathan comes and says, hey, Dad, why are you, why are you being so hard on David? David's a good guy. Remember when he killed Goliath? You were cheering for him. And then, and then Saul says, you know, you're right. And then he swears. He swears to God and says, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. But then notice what happens in verse 9. Go to 1 Samuel 19. Look at verse 9. Just three verses down. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. And he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of, out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Three verses late, earlier, he's swearing to the Lord that David will not die. And then three verses later, he's throwing a javelin trying to kill David. 
This guy is an emotional, he's just emotionally out of control. He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. Go to 1 Samuel 24. Look at verse 16. This is what we're looking at uh, last last, uh, Wednesday. 1 Samuel 24, look at verse 16. Remember, David spares the life of Saul when he doesn't kill him, uh, when he has the opportunity in the cave. And David comes out and confronts Saul about this in 1 Samuel 24, look at verse 16. Notice the response. And it came to pass... When David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, remember we, we looked at that very closely last Wednesday night, how David came and he was very reverent, he was respectful, he, he, he was humble, he confronted him, he allowed him to save face, he did all those things. Notice how Saul responds, that Saul said, just, just try to envision this in your mind, Saul says, is this thy voice, my son David? You're trying to kill him, you're trying to put him to death. He's running and hiding in caves because you have warrants out for his arrest. And then David comes and says, hey, Saul, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Hey, Saul, I'm not against you. I don't know what you've been hearing about me, but I'm not trying to kill you. I'm not against you. And then here's how Saul responds. He says, is this thy voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded the evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dwell well with me. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. I hate David. Is this my son David? I, I want to kill David, and he's been so good to me. And this guy is just, he can't make up his mind. But this is how some people live their lives. They're just up and down. I'm all for God this week. And then the next week, they're like, oh, I don't even know if I believe. It's like, what? You know, I mean, I'm all for God this week. Everything's great. Everything's good. And then the next week, it's just like, I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. And people live their lives this way. And it, it wearies me. I mean, I think to myself, like, good night. I don't, I'm not doubting anything. I know God's in control. I know the God that works on the other side, bless God. And, and, and you're, you're just up and down. Makes me tired, you know, having to talk to you. And this is how Saul is. He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. Look at verse 21, uh, uh, 1 Samuel 24. Look at verse 21, 1 Samuel 24, 1. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me. He's trying to make amends with David. And that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swear unto Saul. So they make, they make an agreement. They make another agreement. You think it lasts? Go to 1 Samuel 26, look at verse 1. 1 Samuel 26, 1. They, decide, they, may, they swear. Now this is his second swear to the Lord with David that they're going to be nice to each other. They, they, made, they, made up, they made up. They're friends now. Notice what happens though in 1 Samuel 26, 1. And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah saying, Does not David hide himself in the hill of Hekilah, which is before Jeshimon? And then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And it's like, you already made a deal with David. You already made up. You already said it was fine. You already said it's good. But now you're going back to kill him again? Look at verse 21, same chapter. 1 Samuel 26, verse 21. David again has an opportunity to kill Saul. We'll look at that on Wednesday night. David again chooses not to uh, seek revenge against Saul. And notice how Saul responds. Uh, 1 Samuel 26, 21. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. This guy literally is just running, chasing his own tail. And he dies on a battlefield and accomplishes nothing for God because he's just an emotional mess. 
Here's the thing. Saul, Saul needed to decide whether David was a good guy or a bad guy, but he should have just stuck in one of those sides. And, and obviously it was wrong for him to be chasing Saul, but, but it was, it, he, he got less done. He probably could have killed David if he would have just decided, I'm against David. Now, that was the wrong decision. But because he's just up, he's down, I love David, I don't love David, I'm for David, I don't know if I trust David, I think David's a good guy, I don't know if David's out to give me. And, and here's the thing, David is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, David is the son of David. Jesus, Jesus is the son of David. Jesus will sit on the throne of David. If anything, Saul pictures you and I. And just like Saul was with David, that's how a lot of us are with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm for Jesus. I don't know if I'm for Jesus. I think Jesus is great. I don't know if Jesus is that great. I, I think Jesus is the greatest thing on earth, and I think he's out to get me. And you just got to decide. Where do you stand? Look, I know we all go through, through hardships and emotions. We all, we all go through discouragements. We all get depressed. I get depressed. I'm depressed right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. But, you know, we, we get discouraged. We get upset. I, I, I know that our emotions are up and down, but listen, we ought not allow them to overtake our lives. We ought to just strive to be consistent. We ought to, be, we ought to strive to be level-headed. We ought to strive to just say, you know what? God is good all the time, whether things are going well or not. And so many of us are fair-weather fans to God. Go to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. We need to decide, and you need to decide while things are okay, that you're on God's side, and you're not going to doubt God, and God is good, and I'm doing better than I deserve. And even if, I, even if I die a poor man, if I die a broke man, if I die in bankruptcy, if I lose everything, I'm still doing better than I deserve, because what I deserve is to die and go to hell. And God has been good. If all God does is saves my wicked soul, he's done more for me than I deserve. Acts chapter 20, look at verse number 18. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 18. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. Acts 20 and verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner? Is that word manner? Talking about his habit, his customs. After what manner I have been with you at all seasons. That's football season, baseball season, basketball season. He said, I, I was consistent whether it's Super Bowl night or not. I was consistent. I've been with you at all seasons. Serving, I'm just kidding about that, but there's some truth to it. Look at verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing. That was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number uh, uh, 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Now, here's, here's what Paul's saying. He knows he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to get arrested. He knows he's probably going to be sentenced to death. And we know this, that's the last trip Paul takes. He goes to, the, to, to Rome and, and he dies there. He spends the rest of his life in bondage as a result of him going to Jerusalem. Look at verse 23. He says, he says here's what I do know, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Here's what he's saying. I know everywhere I go, there'll be bonds and there'll be afflictions. He says, I know everywhere I go, I'm going to end up in a prison. Paul, probably, the first thing he did, people, you know, people joke around. When Paul showed up to town, the first thing he did, he's checked out the local prison. Because he knew that's where he was going to end up. So he, he checks it out, you know, tries to see what kind of room service you guys got here. You have nice blankets, you know. I'm going to check in tonight. Let me go to the temple. I got to preach a little bit. That's, that, Paul just knew that. 
He just understood that. He, say, he says, that bonds and afflictions abide me. Look at verse 24. Notice what he says. But none of these things move me. He says, I know when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to get arrested. I know when I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to get beat. I know when I get to Jerusalem, people are going to persecute me. People are going to attack me. People are going to lie about me. People are going to make me look bad. People are going to do things that are wrong that I don't deserve. But he says, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. You know what Paul was saying? Here's what Paul was saying. I've been consistent. When things are good, I'm consistent. When things are bad, I'm consistent. He said, if they put me in prison, none of these things move me. If they give me afflictions, none of these things move me. If they beat me with rods, none of these things move me. And here's why Paul was such a great man. He had a life of consistency. He was consistent in what he believed. He was consistent in his actions. And he was a man that was able to control his emotions. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. If you're not able to control your own emotions, you're basically just a sitting duck waiting for someone to come mess with you. The idea there of a city that is broken down and without walls is there's no defense. There's no way to defend yourself. People come, and, and that's how some of you live your lives. Somebody sits in your seat, or somebody takes your parking spot, or somebody does something, and, it's just, and it just messes with you, and it affects your emotions. And here's why. Because you have no rule over your own spirit. You're not consistent in your emotions. You ought to be consistent in your beliefs. You ought to be consistent in your actions. You ought to be a consistent soul winner, a consistent church attendance, a consistent Bible reading. You ought to be consistent in your emotions. Let's, we'll finish up. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 58. We'll, we'll finish right here. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse number 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You're there in Acts. The next book over is, uh, you got Romans and 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Notice what the Bible says. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, he says, be ye steadfast. You know what the word steadfast means? It means you you don't move. You're established. You're rooted. He says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But here's the thing. Notice the sequence. It's not always abounding and be steadfast. You have to be steadfast to be always abounding. You have to be unmovable to be always abounding. You have to be rooted to be built up. You have to be established to abound. The only way that you and I are going to accomplish anything for God is if we learn to live consistent, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I I want to just highlight this thing. He says, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. You don't have to go back to Acts 20, 24. Let me read it for you. In Acts 20, 24, he says this, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. He says, so that I might finish my course with joy. Here's the key that Paul says to a consistent life is a life of perspective. Is where you're able to look ahead and say, here's the goal. Here's the end. One day I'll stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and I will be judged for the things that were done in my body. And I will be judged for what I did with my life. And, you know, the Bible uses this word steward. The word steward means that we've been given a possession and it's our job to manage it. 
And your life has been given to you. You are the steward of the life that God has given you. And here's the question I have for you is how are you stewarding your life? How are you managing the resources that God has given you? Not just your money, but your time, your talents, your abilities. See, Paul said, I'm going to live consistently. I'm going to live every day on purpose because I have an end in mind. He says that I might finish my course. He says that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, you will live a consistent life when you realize that I, there's an end to this life. And God is going you know, to judge me for the things that I do in my life, so I better focus on the things that actually matter. And I better actually just focus and put my attention to things that will last for eternity. So I want to encourage you tonight. Live a life of consistency. Be so consistent that they could arrest you by your pattern. They could say, you know what, that guy, I know, here's what I know. Every day he opens up his window and he prays at this time. I, I know he's done it every day for years now. Let's make a law against that. Live, live that life, that life so consistent. I remember when I was, I've told this story before. I remember when I was a kid, our house got broken into on a Sunday night. We were in church on Sunday night. We came home and uh, our house had been broken into. I don't think they took anything of value. I don't think we had anything of value. Uh, we, I, I, I was upset because they took the cup of noodles, you know, that we had and and, uh, you know, I was like, man, why would you break into the house for a cup of noodles? They're so cheap. But here's what I thought was interesting. I was like, man, I, you know, here, I, I don't know if people normally break into people's houses on a Sunday night at 6 p.m., but maybe they just were watching us and they just realized these people are always gone on Sunday morning. They're always gone on Sunday night. If you want to break in and get those cup of noodles, do it at 6 p.m. on Sunday night because they're always at church. I mean, we ought to live our lives that consistently where people just know when to break into your house because they know where you're going to be. Let's live a consistent life. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.